I know you. You are afraid to speak up. You are scared of what other people think of you. And you blame yourself for what happened to you. I know how it feels because I've been there. If you found me, I'm so grateful you are here. This podcast will give you hope. And I'm your host, Anna Ditchburn. I'm going to hold your hand and provide the guidance that I needed the most. It's time for you to find your why and turn your experience into your superpower. So lock your door, put your headphones in, and enjoy. Patrick Carroll, welcome to the world's best trauma recovery podcast. Thanks, Anna. Always fun to, to, to talk with you. Patrick, the reason I wanted to invite you to my podcast is because I had a fascinating experience with you as a shaman with healing my own sexual abuse. And we, we've spoken uh, a year ago, last September, when I went back to Russia to testify against my stepfather for, for abusing me as a, as a child. And you did this session with me where you, where you really helped me to, to connect with, with my past, connect with my trauma and then remove it. And you also told me that you, you can see the link, the connection between my, my, myself and my perpetrator. Yes. Do you remember this moment? I do. Yes. I wanted to explore a bit, a little bit more of this. How, how does it look like and why, why there was a connection between me and my stepfather? Where, where did it come from? Well, I'll give you a little bit of background on, on all of that. I, when I started my shamanic training, which is a whole other story on how I even got to that place. But I, when I started training with this group of very advanced practitioners, and they kind of took me under their wing, so to speak, and said, look, we, we understand who you are and what's happening to you, and, and we can help you sort it out. And I had no intention of being a practitioner at that point. But as I, as I got working with them and kind of as an apprentice and, and I came along quite quickly in my training, I, I kept just ending up working with people who had really powerful sexual violence in their past. And that was and, the reason that was the reason we actually connected. In yeah, sense. exactly. So the, the question that I had in, in kind of while I was in this training and kind of doing these these various uh, sessions with, you know, kind of training sessions with other people, mostly women who had had, who had been raped or, or molested. And, and the, the question that kept haunting me was, Anna, the question was, you know, that was, that was 22 years ago. That was, that was, you know, 30 years ago and not to minimize the event, but why hasn't that faded? Why hasn't that, you know, kind of resolved itself? I mean, yes. these women were in horrible turmoil inside. That was me. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and so I kept asking, you know, as I was slowly learning to move in different dimensions and track energy and, and track things, I said, you know, there's something going on here that's beyond normal psychological and psychiatric types of protocols, because that's not working, obviously. I mean, I had talked to these women and, and, and some men. And, and it's like, you know, we've done every psychologist and every psychiatrist and all, you know, and it's not helping. So I'm, there's something else going on. So as I developed this ability to kind of see energy and track energy in different dimensions, I went and said, there's something out there that, that people were looking in the wrong place was kind of my, I think they're looking in the wrong place. It's somewhere else that this comes into play. And especially with the psychologists and psychiatrists, they, yeah, they don't, they miss out on this point, I think. They do, exactly. I, the, the Jungians kind of get close to it, but, but, you know, only kind of secondarily. So I finally started to be able to focus in and, and, and see these energetic cords that would go from my client and they would move out into space. And I'm like, I remember the first couple of times I, I saw this where I was able to kind of tune into these frequencies and, and like, what's that? 
you know, whoa, that it, it was, it's like this glowing neon tube. It would, they would glow in certain colors and they'd wow. be kind of flexible and they'd kind of go off into the distance. I'd like, well, where does that go? Wow. Uh-huh. You know, what, what is that? You know, and it would be hooked into usually the, 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 the fourth chakra or the third chakra, which was kind of just the circuitry. There was where just, are those, where are those chakras? The heart chakra. And then the, the third chakra is, Uh, the solar plexus chakra, which has to do with identity and things like that. I mean, uh, chakras have profound spiritual and energetic functions, but in, I found that in clinical terms, you can really work with the chakras in, 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 in very kind of direct clinical terms. Wow. So I would see these things going off and I'm like, well, where does that go? I mean, it's going somewhere. This woman is, con some, something's connected to this girl. What is it? And so I kind of would track it. And sure enough, it would go to the perpetrator. There he is. Mm. And he would, this, the perpetrator would be out and it would be in this different dimension. So I, I started to remember that in quantum physics, we, there's this concept called entanglement. And entanglement is um, the, the physicists, and, and this is hard science, hard science now, they've replicated this experiment a thousand times. They can separate two electrons And, and put a force on one electron and the other electron instantly shifts to the state of, of the first one. And it does, they can be separated by thousands of miles. There's no, you know, electrical wire, there's nothing. And, and so in quantum physics, what they've discovered is this, it, things get entangled. They get tied up with each other, but not in the normal dimensions that, that we all operate in. And it's science. They proved it. They can't explain it, but they proved it. And what I found here in my work was that people that have intense energetic and emotional occurrences get entangled with each other. Now, a very easy way to understand it is when you fall in love. You're, you're connect, you know you're connected to it, but you can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't explain it, but you are connected That's to that, true. that other heart. It's like mother and, and the child as well. She, mother can feel what exactly is happening to her child. Exactly. And same, same way child can pick up the mother's en on mother's energy. Exactly. Yeah. So we have what's called entanglement of, of humans based on very intense emotional occurrences and events that people get entangled and they get tied to each other energetically in a different dimension. And what I found was these different dimensions don't operate the same as time and space in our dimension. They have their own set of rules, which was kind of the key to my work. They have their own set of rules and principles. It's just different than the principles of physics and time and space in our dimension. So as I started to work with this and play with this and, and kind of track it, I started to understand now we know why that victim cannot escape the sexual violence and the trauma of that sexual violence because it's locked in and they're entangled with the perpetrator. And that perpetrator is in fact still connected to the, to that, that woman and feeds on that, feeds her trauma, feeds on it, loves it. Just kind of, yeah. Oh yeah. Her. I remember her. Yeah. Oh, I got her. Whatever it is. Even after they're dead, The it sounds demon demonic, like often, often it is. There are demonic entities that are involved here. Yes, very true. And that was a whole other level of work that I had to learn to do, to deal with the demons. But the, the key to this is once you understand that there is this entanglement, this explains why victims have such a hard time freeing themselves from the violence and the trauma, because it's still happening. Because in these dimensions, time isn't linear. It doesn't flow. Uh -huh. It loops. Time will loop. And what happens is just like a virus in the back of your computer, you don't even know it's there. But that virus is, is messing up your whole operating system because it's just looping. It's just doing this, this software thing and it's screwing up your whole computer. Exactly the same thing. That, tr that, uh, that rape gets stuck in what's called non-ordinary present, and it just loops. So what that woman is experiencing is that rape as if it's happening right now, never stops 30 years. The, the rape energetically just loops. And that's why there's no recovery. 
And so I'm kind of learning all of this. I'm seeing them, you know, and I see these loops. And I'm like, what's that? You know, what's this yeah. looping thing? So anyway, we're, I'm, I'm kind of skipping over, you know, several years before I figured all this out. So that became the basis of my work is, is to be able to tap into the, the traumatic event that occurred, a rape or molestation, find that, that cord to the perpetrator because it's there. I, it may take me a while. I know it's there. I just got to go through the different energetic fields and, and frequencies until I, oh, there it is. Track it, deal with the perpetrator, disconnect it, dissolve it, push him out, put up barriers, come back, and then surgically remove the trauma event that's stuck in that, in that dimension inside her psyche. And I, I got the nickname of a trauma surgeon. They called me trauma surgeon many years ago. The name was stuck because I, I literally can then once I once I isolate the the trauma inside the energetic or sometimes the physical body of, of this, this victim, you can literally pull it out and and literally remove it surgically, energetic surgery, and then it's gone and it's done and they're healed and they're free and they move forward with their life. They're not connected to the perpetrator. The trauma's gone. It's out of their life stream, and they're healthy psychologically and emotionally healthy that this makes such a such a uh, perfect sense because i remember when i started my healing journey uh every time i knew i knew about some of the connections between that man and woman develops after the sexual uh, act um, and i knew that those connections uh exist for seven years but I didn't really realize that there will be a connection between a victim and perpetrator. And every time I would try to get rid of this connection, this uh, intelligent, as you say, my stepfather, like, she, like he would feel something. He would send me a message, you know, just to remind me about himself. Happy birthday or how are you? How is your health? And I was thinking all the time, like how dare you are? To send me a message but i feel like i think he would feel something on an energetic um level yeah. trying to disconnect from him but and you're right how this is my treasure i'm getting getting energy from here so it would explain it uh, perfectly patrick my question to you and you you touched on this a little bit if you won't remove this court this connection what's gonna happen to a victim of sexual abuse what's some of the negative consequences if we don't remove it if you if you if you just you know forget it and move on which doesn't work (laughs) most of the time well a lot of the time it it does start to uh, affect the physical body and it will. It, I've seen cases of of violent rapes that happened many years ago, and we were able to clear the trauma. But I always, I always do a full scan when I, when I think I'm done. I do one last full scan to see if there's anything else going on. And, and many, many times, and uh, now I do it all the time. I'll see there's there's some really odd energy in in uh, the the woman's um, sexual area. And I'm like, wow, what's that? And there can be a, an enormous amount of very dark energy inside her vagina from the various sexual. And I have seen several cases where that was uh, just starting to develop um, uterine cancer. Wow. That energy there so was so dark and so toxic. Trauma manifested itself. In the and it was actually, yep affecting the physical tissues. And it was, and I said, okay, you know, God, what's that? I've never seen that before. So, you know, I take some time and kind of just sense, and, you know, it's a different energetic vibration. What is this energetic frequency? What is this? And it, it came back, you know, it's cancer. This is what, this is the, this is an energetic frequency for uterine cancer. And so we, I pulled that out, cleared it all out, made sure all the tissues were back to a normal, healthy state. And um, she's healthy to this day. She's okay. So it can affect, if we don't do this, the answer to your question is it can lead to profound emotional breakdown, depression, inability to function well, 
um, and also physical illness. Wow. Wow. What do you think, how do you think a trauma can impact a fertility uh, for women? Because I had the 16 consecutive miscarriages. And when I was trying uh, to find the reason why, uh, and I went through 10 different doctors, they could not find any physical reason. And one doctor pulled me aside and he said, Anna, you had four miscarriages uh, with your ex-husband and uh, f- f- um, 11 miscarriages with your current, current husband. So it's not about husbands. It's not about men. You need to, you need to look into here. And it struck me. What's, what's happening? How trauma impacts the fertility or bringing child in this world? You know, everybody's different, but in general, the, the answer to your question, Anna, is when there's sexual abuse, including intercourse, I mean, when, when you know, there's lots of different types of, and it's all horrific, but especially when there's intercourse at a very early age for a girl, mm-hmm. and that trauma, just like we talked about, that trauma can get stuck inside her, literally her vagina. Fast forward 20 years and she's with a beautiful man and married and wants to have children, but that her vagina is just, it's just constantly pushing things out, push it out because the vagina is now just has this energetic force of whatever intercourse is, it's horrible and it's violent and it's toxic and it's dark and, and energetically push it out, push it out, get rid of it. And so I have seen that energetically affect fertility, even though it's 20 years later and it's a beautiful relationship and, mm-hmm. you know, we want to have a child and all that. But that, again, that trauma, remember, we, you know, it's looping. It's looping, looping, looping down deep inside her. And, and it's just this horrible, dark, toxic energy that's just looping constantly. So it can shut down the whole physical uh, system of fertility and pregnancy. Wow, Patrick. And I also know you can tell uh, just, you know, connecting with a woman, whether she had abortions or not. And I had two abortions as well. But can you can you see a soul of those aborted babies? And what's happening to, to those souls? Good question. Um, and everyone is different. Um, what I can see is the trauma of the abortion. I don't see the soul because the soul's not there anymore. The soul has, you know, gone back up and, and, you know, maybe actually reincarnated somewhere else. But we can track that soul. We can call that soul in. I can see an abortion and say, okay, let's go find out. Let's go check in with that, the soul, the baby's, the, the, the baby's soul. I, are we okay? You know, I have bumps. <laughs> yeah. And often the soul goes, no, it's fine. I, I, I knew I was come, going down incarnating because we were going to affect this situation. And I knew I was coming right back up and going to move on to another lifetime. I, everything's cool. Everything's fine. Sometimes it's just the opposite. Sometimes it's a tragedy that that soul had planned to become this woman's child. And they had set it up prior to the incarnation. And then through generally horrific kinds of circumstances, the woman is forced to do an abortion. And there's a lot of trauma on both sides. I, I, I remember a situation where I was working with a woman and she had had three abortions in her life. And I looked at the first one, did it, yeah, we're good. I looked at the second one, yep, okay, that's cool. The third one, there was this profound uh, sorrow around this abortion. And I said to her, you wanted this one. And she started crying and uh, I'm getting, <laughs> getting a little misty thinking about it. She started crying. She said, how do you know that? She said, you're right. I, it, it broke my heart. Um, how do you know that? And I said, I can see it. You're still connected heart to heart with this baby's soul. And she said, you're right. I, it tortures me every single day for you know 11 years or whatever it's been. Wow. And I said, let's clean it up. Let's Let's clean it up. And we pulled the soul in and the baby's soul in and we communicated and got it, the issue resolved, all the karma got cleared. 
Um, baby went on. Mother, for the first time, the grief was gone. She was at peace with it and was able to move on with her life. So every story is different, but I can tell whether it was an easy abortion or whether it was a, a very emotional, difficult thing to do. This, this topic is uh, so close to my heart. And mm-hmm. Patrick, I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing such an amazing work for for women and for people, because I know how heavy this burden is to carry the, those, uh, even one abortion, it can devastate women. Yes, very much. My my question, I guess, for those who don't know you, what, what exactly you do and how did you start? How did you go into shamanism? Would you tell us your story? I'll give you the the um, the quick version because I can spiral off into sidebars and go all sorts of places. Um, the short story, Anna, the shorter version, Anna, is ever since I was a kid, I could I could feel people's emotions and I could see energetic connections and emotional connections. But I was a kid and I was born and raised in a very traditional Catholic. American family, and there was nothing in, in my world as a child or in the Catholic Church that explained any of those. So I just thought it was crazy. And, and my, you know, my mother always said, ah, you're watching too many, car- you know, Disney cartoons. Ah, you're, you know, ah. But it never went away. And so I just felt that as a child, I was just crazy. There was something wrong with me. And I tried to forget about it, and I didn't. Um, then I fast forward to high school and, and I, I took LSD when I was 16. And that was a, a profound experience for me because it's like, the, I knew it. There it is. I knew it was there. I can see it now. I can walk into that world. I can take this pill and I can walk into this world. I don't understand it. I have no idea what I'm looking at or experiencing, but I knew it was there. So then we fast forward and, and, I, I had the advantage of going to a relatively liberal Catholic high school. And, and in high school, I was exposed to other religion and spiritual traditions around the world. Mm-hmm. And so in high school, I'd taken LSD and I'd had this experience. And I'm like, well, the Catholic Church didn't help me out here in explaining any of this that's happening. So maybe some of these other religions will be able to you know, help me out in, in what, what happens to me. So that led to a whole exploration through college and into later years of um, uh, Native American Indian uh, spiritual traditions and Buddhism and all sorts of stuff. And I wasn't really making much progress. And then I stumbled into um, uh, a Jungian analyst in Los Angeles, and I spent eight years in, in, in very intense Jungian psychoanalysis. And that was magical because... Carl Jung, his main contribution was he explained the engineering of the psyche and the mind and the different spiritual dimensions that hook into humans. He explained it. He's, he was like an engineer. And he said, look, this is how it works. And it was a huge, huge revelation for me and kind of the rest of the world. But it's like, there it is. I, there's a logic here. We just don't understand it. You know, it's just not part of our three-dimensional world, but time and space work differently, which is Jung talked about. And he talked about how the spiritual channels, chakras actually come and connect in and then the circuitry and how they connect in through the subconscious and up into the human mind and all that stuff. So that was really huge because that gave me some, actually some scientific base. And then through a, I, and I kept having these experiences and didn't know what to do with them. But um, in 2010, I had a, again, through a kind of an interesting series of circumstances, I met this group of practitioners in uh, Northern California. And I explained to them, look, this is, all this stuff's been happening to me since I was a kid. You know, what, what's all this stuff? And, and they sat down and they said, we know exactly what's happening to you. We work with that. We do, that, that's who we are. I mean, we come and join, we'll take you in, come and join us, start training with us. And we'll teach you everything that's going on about all this, these multiple dimensions and how to operate and, and actually how to become a healer. And so this was, yeah, 2010. 
So I said, look, I'll do, I'll do, I'll join you guys and do anything you want. I don't want to be a practitioner. I don't, I'm not interested in that. I just want to figure this stuff out for myself. So that led to a very arduous three years of training that went actually went way beyond their level of training. And these other spiritual entities got involved and started directing training and giving me projects. And I mean, way kind of over my head, very, very intense work. And, but I was at the same time, I was, uh, you know, doing practice work and healing work, you know, which was part of the training that I was in. And I was very good at it. And I was kind of very natural with it. And my teachers kept telling me, Patrick, you're going to be a great healer. I mean, you're, you know, you're, you really, you're the real McCoy. You can do this. And I said, I kept telling them, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want to be a practitioner. I'm not interested in it. I just want to figure this stuff out for myself and then go back to my little world and everybody leave me alone. And so I came to the end of the three years and I, and, and I said, all right, I'll tell you what, I want to do six months of clinical work just to prove that I really have mastered this. And I had already had a lot of success. So I went to my group and I said, look, a lot of you people have, have individuals that come to you and they need help. They want some healing, but they don't have any money and they can't pay you. I said, send them to me. I'll work for free. For, I'm going to work for free for six months. So anybody who you know, needs help, give them my number. And that's what happened. And I did a lot of work on a pro bono basis. I didn't charge them. And a lot of it was just kind of this natural flow of sexual trauma victims. And I was very good at it. And I was able, to, I was starting to refine the techniques that we've been talking about this morning. And I got really good at it. And it was great. It was very rewarding. But the six months comes and I said, okay, that's it. Six months. I'm done. And I'm going back. To, I, I had an insurance business at the time and I had a nice little house and Los Angeles, and I had a quiet, nice little life. I said, all right, that's it. Patrick's not going to do this work anymore. And I told my existing clients and, you know, the phone would ring or I'd get a text. You don't know me, but, you know, this person said you helped them. Maybe you can help me. I'm so desperate. And I just told everybody, I said, look, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not, I don't want to be a practitioner. I'm not doing it, you know, go somewhere else. And they all told me the same thing. They all, I kept hearing the same thing over and over. Patrick, you don't understand. There isn't anybody else. You're it. We've been to everybody else. They couldn't help us. I mean, I've taken the pills and the meds and the psychiatrists and the doctors and the Reiki guys and, and the other shamans. You're it. You're the only one who helped my sister. You're the only one who helped my best friend. Got her through, you know, past that rape or the molestation. What do you mean you're not doing anymore? And I said, no, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm out. So... <laughs> You know, I, now I got, you know, and the phone keeps ringing. I keep having this conversation. So I finally went to my, my guides. You know, we all have guides in, in, in our incarnations. And I kind of, and I'd kind of gotten pretty familiar with them by now. And I went to them and said, like, all right, guys, come on. What's up? I told you from the beginning. I don't want to be a practitioner. I'm not a healer. I don't know. You know, I don't want to do that. Leave me alone. Just leave me alone. And they very quietly looked at me and they said, look, dude, the world needs you. You really, you need to do this. And, you know, there are not many people on the planet that could do what you do. And we really need you to do it. And I, you know, I'm bitching and kicking and whining. I don't want to do it. You know, and I'm throwing tantrums. <laughs> leave me alone, you know, leave me alone. But it comes down to, Anna, it comes down to, if God asks you to do something, are you going to do it? Yes. And the answer is, yeah, sooner or later, you're going to you're going to say, OK, you, you know, God wants you to ask you to do something. OK, all right. So I finally get to this point where, OK, 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 I will be a practitioner. I'll do what you asked me to do, but on two conditions. They said, OK, what are the conditions? I said, number one, I'm not going to have a website. I'm not going to promote it. It's not a business. I don't really want to do it. You are, so, you are like an enigma. I, that yeah. was my, one of my questions. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, and I still don't have a website and I still don't promote it. And I still, I mean, I do these interviews with you, but you know, that's it. I mean, I, and, and, and I said, I'm not promoting it. 
And I kind of thought to myself there, see, I got it. I kind of tricked God because eh, six months, everybody will forget about Patrick and they'll all go away and leave me alone. You know, we'll fade, 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 fade. And I'll fade away. You know, uh, I was wrong on that. And I said, the second, and they said, okay, cool. We got it. What's the second one? And I said, all right, if I'm going to do this work and I am really good at it and I do understand what I could do, I said, I want you to send me the most difficult, the most challenging, the scariest, the darkest, the most challenging cases on the planet. That's what I want to work. If I'm going to do it, that's what I want to do. The most difficult cases that there are. I, I, I don't balance auras. You know, I'm not a light worker. That's not what I do. I said, I'm a surgeon. And I want you to send me the most complicated, difficult, scary cases that there are. And they said, okay, that's what we'll do. The next day, the phone starts ringing. I start getting texts out of the blue, you know, and, and just people start coming out of the blue. Again, just all referral. It started, it was, you know, mostly in the U.S., but, you know, I start getting things from Europe. Um, Australia. You know, <laughs> Australia, kind of all over the place. And it's all just like some, you know, I heard about you. Can you help me? And that's how I became practitioner. That's the story because God asked me to, and I didn't want to, but God asked me to. And I finally said, okay, okay, okay. I'll do it. God had, uh, had the plans for you and other plans. Patrick, I guess my question is, would you be happy to share with us what was your most challenging and scariest and most uh, difficult case you've been ever worked with and how you helped to this person? There, there, there's two good stories. One is I've had, I've worked with several people with a disassociative identity disorder, which is commonly referred to as multiples. Mm-hmm. And I've had several people who the trauma was so so horrific to them that the psyche actually shatters into and and divides itself up into different totally separate different personalities and each one of those uh, what they're called alters takes on some but not all of the trauma and the pain and the horror and they kind of distribute it among the different alters and there can be as many as you know 15 or 20 of these alters in various states of development. And most of them have very distinct identities. They, they can, you know, let's say the, the, the person it's, you know, my client is a woman who's 30. She could have alters that are 12 year old boy, a 30 year old girl, a, a teenager. They have different, completely different personalities when they've done certain studies, when this person will shift when the altars shift into coming what they call uh, coming into time, which means they, they come up into the awareness and all the other altars get shoved down. Person's blood pressure will change. Their, their respiration will change. Some of the altars need glasses. Some of them don't. Wow. Um, really distinct. And I have worked with several altars. They're my favorite clients. They're so fascinating. It requires an enormous amount of effort to get the alters to trust you. And they'll sometimes be very violent against me because they don't trust me. They've been hurt and they don't trust anybody. And they've been violent, various forms of violence against me. Would, would those alters be developed during uh, some trauma events? Yes. Or would yes. people be born with those? No, it's the trauma that causes them. They're born normal. I mean, they're born a regular... And then this trauma, which is, again, so I mean, there's movies about it. There was a, the best book I ever read was called Switching Time. And that's on Amazon. I forget who the author is, but Switching Time. Switching right, the best time. book I've ever read on, on this because it's written by a psychologist who works with this woman over like 22 years, whatever it is, long time. And, it, and they, it, she actually draws pictures of the room that the children live in and where who each person is and what their ages are on so anyway, the alters I, I I I've worked with several and fascinating. My favorite clients, uh, long-term commitments. You know, this is this could be years of work, but really interesting. 
the scariest were the satanic molestations, uh, the real demonic, where a group of people who are possessed, truly possessed by evil demonic entities will descend and take a typically a young girl and will molest this girl in undescribably horrific ways for 10 years. And, you know, there's books about there, there's books and stories about that. Sybil was a movie that was made many years ago with Sally Fields. Um, I don't know, you know, seventies maybe, but it was a movie Sybil. Um, and that kind of, in a, in a in a very whitewashed way, will give you an idea of what that was like. I've had several of those clients, and that's again, it's very very intense work. There, the, the 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 trauma is unimaginable. What these these people have been through, and it's really evil. I mean, really truly evil, demonic, scary shit. Um, these are very powerful entities, and they're scary, and and. So when I first started working with them, you know, these demons came after me and said, that soul's ours, that we own that soul. And, and, you know, you know, I mean, we'll hurt you, you Patrick, you think you're coming, coming, coming in here, you know, we're going to come after you. And so there was kind of this interest, you know, I had to learn how to handle myself in, in, in those realms, but um, eventually I was able to reclaim that soul. Um, but it's a long process. And that, if you want the scariest stuff, that's that's it. Because you're not dealing with humans. Humans can be really deprived in their own kind of humanness, but there's a whole other level of evil and 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 trauma and suffering and torture that comes down when these demonic entities take over those humans and then go to work on some little ten-year-old girl. Um, or boy. So yeah, that's when I asked for the really tough stuff, I, I got some uh, over the years. And um, so I've worked on those. And again, it's a long process, but we were able to reclaim those souls. Wow. Wow, Patrick. You know, even without knowing the whole story, I, I feel the heaviness in my chest. Uh, and now when I start working with people as a hypnotherapist and a coach i hear some horrendous stories of sexual abuse uh, from women and men and uh, i went through this but sometimes uh, someone's story are even heavier how do you deal with this burden with this negative energy how do you clean yourself after this or stay away how to protect yourself from this yeah good question good question one of my teachers back in the in that three-year training period was really adept at dealing with dark stuff and what that question came up all the time and 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 what she taught everybody taught all of us was you don't ever let it come in so then you've got to you know some people bring it in and, and then, oh, my God, I got to clear it out. You know, I got to get rid of it. The analogy that I work with in that, in that it, it is really quite good. If a surgeon is working on somebody in a hospital, in a surgical theater, you're in, you're in the operating room, and that surgeon is working on this person to try to save their life, that surgeon, that per, that the patient is always separate from the surgeon out in front of the surgeon on a table, the surgeon's standing back and is working on them, but that surgeon does not take the cancer out of the person and bring it into his own body. Mm. He doesn't do that. Mm. Takes the cancer, takes the illness and puts it over, removes it and drops it over here in that, yeah. in that little stainless steel pan. Yeah. And then they take it away. So the answer is to, to keep a distance from the person you're working with. You can track them and see things and do all that, but you don't personally connect with them so that that energy never comes into you in the first place. That's a, that's a good tip. Thank you. 
Yeah. And that's why empaths have such trouble. Empaths have such trouble because there's, I see, there's a difference between empathy and compassion. Empaths bring the person, empaths say, I will take your suffering and bring it into my body. and I will carry your suffering so that you can move forward free. And all that does is the empath just gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And eventually they get sick and they can't function. And I've had a lot, a lot of empaths as clients that have been referred to me and saying, I can't function anymore. Well, here's why. You keep bringing it all into yourself and then you can't get it out. Compassion is I, I can see and sense and track your suffering and I can help you with your suffering, but I never bring it in to my own energetic fields. I keep it separate, just like the surgeon keeps that patient out in front of them, keeps the illness out, in, uh, never takes the illness into their body, keeps it out. And so that's the analogy where I don't, I don't have to clear myself at the end of sessions because I never, I never connect with the energy in the first place. It never gets in. Get you. Yeah, I got you. Wow. Patrick, I'm wondering before people, if someone wants to experience this uh, shamanic uh, journey uh, with you or someone else, what they need to know before they do the session with shamans, uh, what they need to prepare for it. To do if, a session or to actually train as a shaman? Uh, no, to do the session. Yeah, a session. Mm-hmm. They don't have to do anything. Now, some people do prepare because they, they would like to or they feel it's good. And, for example, some people will send me a two or three page list. And, a, and a, you know, a, a bio, here's what happened to me, all the names and dates, um, you know, here's the six things that I'm suffering with, you know, it's quite outlined. But they don't have to do that. Uh, most people don't. When they ask me that question, Anna, I say, you don't have to do anything. All I want you to do is to be physically comfortable and relaxed, whether it's a favorite chair or lying down. And that you have privacy so that we can talk and you can speak freely. That's it. I'll do all the work. Um, so you don't have to prepare anything because I'll just, we'll just start a session with, I'll ask you some questions. You know, what's, what's troubling you? What are you struggling with? And as you talk, as we did in your session, I immediately start seeing and tracking the energy and yeah. the cords and the neon tubes and I can see things in your energetic bodies because as you talk about something, it lights up. The energy hits it. And I say, oh, we got that thing over there. And there's, there's cords going out of the heart chakra. And we got to find out where that's going. And then there's this thing over here. And there's something down in her vagina. I'll get to that. And I'll just kind of make a mental list of like, okay, these are the hot areas that we got to work on. And then I'll start asking specific questions. Tell me about, you know, tell me about your childhood. You know, tell me about your first sexual experience with another person. Sometimes I'll, I'll be tuning in on something and I can't quite get it and focus. I, 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 there's something there, but I can't get it. So I'll go to my client. I'll say, all right, look, something happened when you were around 14. Something bad happened when you were 14. I can't see it. It's, it's in your live stream, but I can't quite get it to focus. And they're like, oh, my God, how do you know that? And I'll say, I can see it. I mean, I can see it. It's kind of right around your 14, you know, something like that. And then, oh my God, that well, we went to the lake house and then my uncle and I was molested. And, you know, he took me off into the boat. And how do you know that? You know, that's what happened to me. Like something happened to you at three years old or, or something was something. I was like, yeah. <laughs> So a lot of times I'll ask for their help. You know, I can't quite get in. I go, ah, there it is. Cool. Great. And then I can see it in the cords and we clean it up and do the surgery. And it's good. That's a good. So that's, what it's, that's a session. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, really happy that you, that you open this up because not many people know what to expect. And I remember myself, I was freaking out freaking out that someone will find out my deepest, darkest. 
which I didn't want to tell to anyone. But yeah. for, uh, speaking from my own experience, if uh, for my listeners, if you really want to heal, come to those sessions with open minds and willingness to heal. Because if you don't want to do this, no one can help you. You are the only person who can help yourself. It's true. And, yes. and Patrick, and I remember at the very beginning of my healing journey, I was thinking uh, everyone is talking about healing uh, and uh, feeling free and happy. I, I was like, how do I know that I'm healed? How, what's a feeling? <laughs> when, when, I, how, how long does it take? And how do I, how do I realize I'm finally healed? How do you, what from shamanic uh, shaman's uh, point of view, what do you see when person is finally healed? Like, how does he look like? How does it feel? It, it, it it's it's a it's two things for me it's visual and it's and it is a it's a sensing of energy um the answer is when um i always do after there's any particular issue that we clear out we remove the trauma before we move on to the next thing for example i'll always do i'll i'll do a scan and and i'll go back and say okay did we get it is is it complete? Sometimes, most of the time it is. Sometimes it's not. It's like, oh, wait a minute. There was something under that thing. You know, we're not done yet on this. And, but I'll do a scan and, and it will both be a feeling and it will be a visual scan. And I'll look and I'll say, is there anything here? Are we done? And it's like, no, it's good. We're done. We're clear. And if I ask the person I'm working with at that time, how are you feeling? I always, it's almost always the same thing. I feel much lighter. Yes. I feel so much lighter. I feel open. Oh my God. I, yes. So this is how it's supposed <laughs> to be. And I said, yeah, this is, this is normal. You know, the technical aspect Anna, is everybody has a very specific energetic frequency. It's mm -hmm. kind of their background you know, their energetic field has a particular set of frequencies and that's normal for them. That's normal, healthy, energetic mix, whatever that is for them. Mm -hmm. And, and you can sense that. I mean, you can, you kind of see it and you kind of sense it at the same time. So any, so I'll, I'll tune into that frequency and I'll scan that energetic frequency and I'll be going along and all of a sudden, uh, Wait, whoa, there's something totally blocked up here. There, there's a different energetic frequency right in the way, uh, right in this particular place in their field or their physical body. And I'm like, okay, that whatever that is, isn't supposed to be there mm. because it's not their frequency. It's a different frequency. Okay, what's that? Let's track it, figure it out, get rid of it. And so the, the answer to your question, how do I know we're done? is when I can do a scan head to toe in the person, it's their energetic frequency all the way through, all the way down head to toe, everything's clean. There's no interference, there's no blocks. Um, there's nothing out of phase. Great, we're done, you're good. Amazing, amazing. And I remember myself, it felt like all those blocks have been removed from my body. And I just, I felt like 15 years old girl Again, I wanted to play. I wanted to sing. <laughs> I wanted to run. Yeah, it's it's an yeah. amazing. It, it's it's still work in progress, but I can feel the difference. Patrick, I'm aware of the time, and I have two questions for you. Two more questions. What would be your best advice for people who are who are still at the very beginning of healing journey or don't know where to start, how to start. Is there anything they can do for themselves right now? The most important thing that I've told people at the beginning is you can fix it. You're not doomed. You don't have to despair. You can, you can clear this. You can get rid of it. You can heal. That in itself has proven to be really powerful for people who have been, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, and they just 
They just think this is it. I, I'll never get. I'll never get out of this. Um, the answer is you can, and there, 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 there's a really specific set of procedures on how to do that, and mm. we, and you can ultimately work your way out of it. Um, so that's that's my best advice um, as far as preparing yourself is just really? saying no, we can do it. You yeah. can do it. After that, then just set it up in the synchronicity. It will set you up and bring you to the people or the books, uh, you know, or the YouTubes that will start that, start you on that journey to find those solutions. Exactly. It is there. Exactly. It's, it's believe that you can do it and decide I am going to do this. Yep. So yeah. good. So good. And um, my last question, Patrick. Are there any side effects in a shamanic journey? Are there any consequences of doing this shamanic healing? And in, 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 in like negative side effects? There are, in the really uh, traumatic cases, um, it's exhausting um, to, to kind of force yourself to open up and and allow these things to come up that have been buried for so long and are so traumatic it, it's it's exhausting it's relieving but at the same time it can be very exhausting so um i will often if i'm dealing for example with a lengthy period of childhood satanic molestation we will work for several weeks and then stop mm. and let it integrate let the person rest let you know let that solidify and maybe you know take a month off mm. and then come back do another month or two of sessions on the next level and clear that out and then again stop rest so there, there's no there's no long-term uh negative effects or side effects other than just it can be really emotionally exhausting and so i've learned on those in those situations to break up the work into into phases and that seems to really be effective i recognize this feeling i remember when i was going through my healing journey through hypnotherapy and um healing with you it felt like a, a huge black heavy rock in my chest and i've realized that i was trying to bottle it down you know, to, to dismiss those feeling, feelings. But when it started to coming up, uh, coming out, uh, the flashes, the memories started to uh, coming back and this heavy, heavy feeling, I was so exhausted. But it's more exhausting to carry, uh, carry it uh, yes. for, for many, many years and not to face it rather than feel it for several weeks or several months and then get rid of it it's 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 yeah. a work uh, I, I won't i won't say it's a uh, easy work but it's very possible to get rid of this heaviness that's that's so amazing patrick if people would uh, wants to connect with you uh, and we know you don't have a website. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What would be the best way to connect with you? Uh, email. I, I, I do have an open email uh, account and anybody um, globally can reach me through my email account. You can post that at johnpatrick at shamanicrecovery.com. And that does flow that's open and flowing 24 hours a day globally. So anybody can send me an email request, uh, uh, an intro call, which is what we do. I always do an intro call. It, there's no charge for it, but I want to get to know you. I want you to be able to ask questions. I'm, I'm completely transparent. Let's see if it's a good match. And if it is, then we'll from there schedule a, a session and get to work. So email is, is the right way to reach me. Would you repeat it once again? It's John Patrick, J O H N. P-A-T-R-I-C-K at shamanicrecovery.com. Perfect. Perfect. Patrick, before we go, do you have any concluding thoughts? I'm going to go back to what we were just talking about recently, which is um, for these 
so many people that are locked into these really scary dark traumas. Um, you, we can, we can get you out of it. There is a very proven set of procedures and techniques that can permanently remove these traumas, dissolve the connections with perpetrators, get rid of the dark energy and restore you to health, which then the depression goes away. Uh, the, you know, the, the poor sleep, uh, the nightmares, all those things do disappear. So it can be done. You're not, you're not condemned to this forever. You can free yourself of it. Wonderful. Ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Carroll. Thank you for being here today. I know it's not easy. If you are ready to take this journey all the way, I can help. To find more about my unique method of turning your past trauma into your superpower or how to connect with me best, go to annaditchburn.com. This journey isn't possible to do on your own. So make sure you like, subscribe and review the podcast so we can help more people like you. And if you have someone in your life who is struggling to overcome their trauma, this is something you can give them that truly can change the course of their life forever. We'll see you next time for another episode of the world's best trauma recovery podcast. And just remember, you are able to help yourself and you can do it right now.